Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And welcome to Man in the Post Weekend Review Show. We are back after missing the... Don't know what day of the week it is between Christmas and New Year run of fixtures. Um, but I'm your host, Ali, and joining me as always, I have Simon and Dave. How are we, chaps? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, probably better than you are, Ali. Yeah, but um, well, we'll skip on that, Dave, just now. <laughs> Give me an hour or so to, to simmer down before we have to straight back up again. Um, do you have a good Christmas and New Year, chaps? Um, yeah, it's as good as can be at the moment, I suppose. It feels like a lifetime ago already, doesn't it? It does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I was back to work today again, so and then obviously the announcements north and south of the border for, for each of us. Um, just put another dampener on everything, or positive, depending on how you look at it, I guess. I mean, when, when this is all over, we'll have the, the old man on the post golf slash piss up there, which has been talked about for three years now, and then uh, it'll make it all right again. In fairness, I think your son might be able to come on it, Dave, by the time we <laughs> go a walk down the <laughs> Well, either way. Yeah. So... Let's let's jump back to New Year's Day anyway. We'll kick off with this round of fixtures. I think we'll just ignore the ones that happened in amongst lockdown. I can't think of any anything worthwhile bringing up. Um, and we'll we'll start with Everton nil, West Ham one, which obviously brings a, a smile to my face after after tonight's result. Um, it was actually quite an enjoyable game for the for it being one nil, an 86 minute winner from uh, Suchek. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, David Moyes doing David Moyes things, kind of. I wouldn't say grinded out. I thought West Ham were good for the win. Not, I think a draw was a fair result, but like I've no arguments in the in West Ham coming out with the three points. Uh, I mean, Dave, did you see much of this? I mean, I watched the first half and it was possibly one of the worst first halves I've seen for a long time. Um, and I've started to think actually we've had too much football and football, as we know, has died. But uh, thankfully, the rest of the games picked up a bit but uh, it was it was nothing in the first half whatsoever um, second half as you say West Ham probably probably shaded it Everton were a bit below par um, I think I said before that they're not, they don't look the same attacking threat without certainly Dean at left back I know Coleman was back on the right hand side for this one but they're, um, I think even Rodriguez is back for this as well and he still you know they weren't back to as good as they could be Um and if anyone was going to win, I thought it was West Ham, and they did in the end. So fair play at them. But was this Moyes' first win at Goodison since he left Everton? I think I, I heard that. I believe I, I heard that as well, which is it's quite staggering. I, I mean, I didn't know how many how many attempts 
Um, but you'd have to imagine he's been away from there, what, eight, eight seasons now? I suppose he, he only had one go at Man United, didn't he? I remember him losing yeah. that. And well, Sunderland were never going to win there. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> and then obviously his time at West Ham was more battle and relegation originally, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, as you say, Everton weren't great, but if you look at West Ham, the the 10th, they are three points or fourth. The, it's, it, the league's actually fascinating. I, I wish we were part of it. We'll come on to this obviously later on, but from, you know, the top three are separated by a point, and then fourth down to 10th are separated by three points. Like As a neutral, as I said, I don't have a dog in this fight. Um, it's great, but I imagine you two probably feel quite differently about it. It, it makes it more frustrating, especially for myself, more than anything that we can't take advantage. Uh, Simon, what's your thoughts on the game in the league as well? Um, on the game itself, I'm kind of with Dave really. And I, I thought the first half was was pretty bad, um, and so then I kind of I didn't expect much from the second, sort of drifting in and out of it. But um, it's sort of from Everton's point of view, it's like it's Everton doing classic Everton things, isn't it? There's just there's such a lack of consistency. They they put they, you know they've been on quite a decent little run over the Christmas periods. Not that West you know West Ham is this season is sort of a different beast than in uh, the last couple of years. It, it's not an easy game, but it's a game I, I probably expected maybe a, a bit more of a performance from Everton. I don't know whether just the sheer amount of football over the last couple of weeks caught up with them a bit. But yeah, West Ham again, um, you know, looking very impressive this season. And kind of like Dave says, the league as a whole, you sort of, I'm just looking at the table now. As you said, the top three is only a point in it. And then, the fact that fourth down to tenth is so tight, and even now, you know, Arsenal and Leeds are on 23 points, so they're you know, the two of them are only what six points off fourth. Um, it's yes, yeah, it's, it's a crazy league this season, but to be honest, though, it's do you not find it a lot more enjoyable? I mean, obviously, it's a bit more stressful for certain teams in there, but the fact that so many teams are so bunched together is it's kind of it's almost become. A bit like the championship has been in the last <laughs> few years, in that two wins can can bump you up like five, six places. Two defeats can put you down into possible relegation uh, territory. Like it, it's incredible to watch. It makes it much more interesting league, I think, for everyone. This for for a lot of neutrals this season. I feel it's the standard of the championship, the way teams are defending. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, look, I can I can definitely see why people would be enjoying it, especially lower teams and and out with the Premier League. Um, as somebody with a dog in the in the fight, as as Dave says, um, I'm I'm hating every second of it just because you just know a half decent run of form, and you could be you know Liverpool could be clear as such. Like we we spoke a few weeks ago where. You know, we were saying obviously with Liverpool's injuries, and it looked like, you know, that it was almost impossible not to win the league. You know, everybody seemed to be stuttering everywhere, and yet Liverpool went and took four points off Fulham, Brighton, West Brom, and Newcastle. Like, no offence to yourselves, Dave, but like four four games there, and only taking four points from four that four games. Um, but it's not just us that's happened. I mean, it's all over the. It's all over the league. I mean, Man United are probably the only one who, which is, it's still baffling that they are, because it doesn't feel like they're on such a good run, but they clearly are, because they've been so consistent, especially 
in the last nine nine games, I think. It's like nine from ten, I think we said the last time, and then they've won two since then. Um, yeah, that sounds all right. It's just madness. It just it's, it almost doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's just um, I don't know. I just feel like we're in a parallel universe here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Man United there, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a second. Um, it's weird because they played Villa on, on Friday and Villa were the better team for my money pretty much almost throughout in terms of Villa had, had more of the... I felt like they had more spells in the game where they looked like to score and obviously yeah. probably wouldn't have been undeserving of getting at least a point, but Man United won and are now obviously joined top of the table, but they, I feel like they've done that in every single game where like obviously the Man United of old would pretty much piss every home game and, and, and win it quite easily. Um, and whereas now, they just seem to have this eternal struggle every match and somehow find a way to win. Yeah, it's, 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 you, you don't know whether to praise them or, or slag them for it. Um, I mean, we'll finish off the, the Everton game. I mean, Everton, OK, they'll be disappointed at losing the, at losing the three points here, or lo- at least losing one point from it. Um, but it's looking better, players coming back fit. You know, they're closer to having that full squad back. I'd imagine they would do some business in in January. Um, there's massive talks of them getting Sami Khedira on a free, which I think is an atrocious signing. Um, <laughs> and West Ham just... I mean, no, none of us surely thought West Ham would be where they are now at the start of the season. I, I genuinely thought they would be that... 15th, 16th place at, at highest. I'm trying to think, did, who did they actually bring in over the, I say summer, over the three-week break? Um, All I remember is obviously Socek coming in permanently, but he was already there on loan, so it doesn't really count. Yeah, I don't, I've think, got, I don't think they signed anyone in, in the nope. summer window. No? It's, no it's, because they sold that really high prospect young guy, didn't they? And and even the players were were fuming about that so that was the big that's all I can really remember about the the transfer but I mean again as much as it goes against the grain I think you've got to give David Moyes a lot of credit because he became as I think I've said this before he was a bit of a figure of fun wasn't he where everyone was like you know he's passed it he's lost it he's he's uh, an atrocious manager but he stuck to his guns he's found a system that suits this team um and he's got a team that's now, I think, better than some of its parts. Um, I don't know how he's done it, but he's, you know, he's made them very, very solid. Uh, and in Socek, he's got a guy who, all right, he's not going to get you 15, 20 goals a season, but I think he caused a lot of panic in the box um, because he's well, fucking massive, basically. So, well, basically, yeah. And if he doesn't score, then you know, the odds are he can at least distract a couple of them, so someone else will. So. Um, Fair play to them. It's uh, it's all falling into place quite nicely for him. And as we said before, if you win a couple of games now, you, you end up fourth or fifth. So yeah, I think no other team have got anything to worry about. Um, I mean, chan- none of them are going to break top four. None of them are going to finish bottom half. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, I, th- I think they're going to be okay. Um, I mean, we'll c- we'll come on to the next game now, Dave. You, I mean, you brought it up. The Villa Man United game was after this, um, and as you say, yeah, Villa were very unlucky to come away two one two one defeat here. Um, I mean, my biggest takeaway from this 
game. I mean, me and Simon are about to have an argument shortly as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, David De Gea looked like David De Gea. Um, I thought he was excellent in this game. He made two really, really good saves off the top of my head um, and just looked like a much more composed goalkeeper, which was probably the first time in about maybe three seasons that we've seen that. Uh, I mean, Simon, this is this is your team, so I'll let you talk us through the game. Um, I, to be fair, I actually thought the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, we started quite sloppily. Um, we sort of were giving the ball away an awful lot. Couldn't really get a foothold in the game. Um, United didn't really create an awful lot in that. They had a few chances from outside the box, which you know, you, you do, you're going to do well to beat Martinez uh, with a try from outside the box. It's going to have to be something good to get it past them. Um, and then I thought we, we kind of we got into the game a bit. McGinn had a, a decent effort, which I think one of those saves we're probably talking about there, De Gea pulled off. And from that moment on, I thought we we, we were comfortable um, and had, I think, probably the lion's share possession in their half. We, we didn't really create anything in it. Um, gave, you know, from our point, from a defensive point of view, it was a sloppy goal to give away. From United, it was you know, sort of a great quick counter attack, really. Um, but I was got you know coming going in at half time. I still thought that there's you know there, there's a, a chance for us to still come away with something here. Uh, it was very similar to the Chelsea game that we played you know, a few days before. You know we we started that game quite well and got in one down. So I was confident that we could come back. Uh, second half, I thought we started like a house on fire again. Uh, got ourselves a nice little equaliser, lovely touch uh, from Torre to before he uh, stuck it away. And then came the, the point where I think we might have a disagreement uh, with the penalty. Now, when I first saw it, I'll be, I, I thought, oh, it's a penalty. I thought he's got too tight to him. I thought it was a clumsy challenge. Having looked back at it again, I, I think that is, that is a ridiculously soft decision to give. Um I accept that Pogba's foot very slightly catches the back of Louise's calf. However, that's Louise hasn't dangled his leg in for a challenge. He's standing next to Pogba. You're allowed to stand alongside an attacker. And a very similar incident happens in the Chelsea-Man City game in the first half. And Timo Werner, exactly the same thing. His foot caught the back of Rodri's half, uh, calf. And there was, you know, there was nothing even said about a suggestion that that should have been a penalty. So I just, it's one of those that I'm 99.9% sure had that been at the other end at Old Trafford, there's not a chance that that would have been given. And if it had, he'd have definitely been sent to the screen to have another look at it and he'd have overturned it. It's, for me, that is not a penalty. I, I just, I don't see how Luis has committed a foul there. It's a coming together. Pogba's tripped over himself. That's how I saw it. And then as the rest of the game went on, we sort of, you know, we, we went back at them again. And as, you know, we, we had to commit more men forward. So they got more chances on the counter-attack, as you'd expect. And they're a great counter-attacking team. Um, but again, we, we kind of probably had the better chances as the game went on and just couldn't stick one of them away. So it's, it's amazing that, for me, how far we've come in the last 12 months. That last season, you go away, you'd have back-to-back games away at Chelsea and Man U and think, we're not getting anything out of this. This season, I'll come out of them 
kind of disappointed that we've only got one point from the two games. Um, so, I, you know, we, the fact that we're still playing really, really well, I, I mean, I can't have any complaints. So, but I'm just, that penalty for me, I, I'm, I'm just not having that at all. No, to me, exactly. See the way you described it the first time is exactly what happened. It's, it's, Soft's not the right word because I don't really believe a penalty is either a penalty or it wasn't. It's it's soft as in it's it's very harsh on was it Louise was the yeah player? yeah he he, ha, he unfortunately has just got too tight and so yes he's not kicked Pogba he's not done anything but it's his movement that's there that's caused the the contact. Because if, con- if, does contact automatically equal foul? I mean. They Pogba had his arm up in Louise's face as it was happening, so I, you know. They, but that's a separate incident. That doesn't negate what happened to, with the feet as Pogba was running with the ball. If, if it hadn't been given, I would have had no issue with the decision either. It's just one of those ones that I have no issue with it being given. Um, Are you surprised that he wasn't even asked? The, the yes. ref was even asked to go and have another yes. look at that because I think it's one that, of those. That's what's really pissed me off. I mean, they look. He looked at it for about two and a half minutes. Now, normally, when they spend that long looking at it, it's because they're thinking this this isn't a bit short. So, so to spend that long to look at it and then not send the ref over to have an, another look, as if that's if that was the other way around, and that say that that was like Greenish or McGinn or Watkins that's gone down under that exact challenge, I'm almost 100% positive that that he'd have at least been told to go and have a look at that. I think I think we've said this from the very beginning that that's that's where it adds. Even if even if he he just goes along with what's in his ear, if he looks yeah. at that for thirty seconds, it adds credibility. Yeah. Regardless. Um, do you think? Do you think there's a good call to have microphones in the VAR room yep. so they can talk us through what 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 they're going through, what they're looking at, what they've concluded, like in the way they do with the cricket, where they say you know we're looking yeah. at. The front yep. foot over the line, we're looking at the height, we're looking at this, we're looking at that. Yep. Would there any harm in having that in football and just telling uh, us what, what they're actually looking at? I I think that, that that's exactly what they should do because at least, when, I mean, you, you'll still get fans that won't necessarily agree with it, but at least if you've, if you've heard what their understanding is and why they've come to that decision, I think you can make, you'll have more acceptance of it, but then it's, it's when you see, like, an incident like that has been given as a penalty. Yeah, there's a virtually identical one in the uh, Chelsea City game, which went to VAR, and it's like, yeah, that's that's not a penalty. You carry on. So if if there was some transparency as to at least what they're saying to each other, I think that would certainly help fans come to terms well, with decisions. Uh, I'll tell you what, what it reminded me of, and uh, either you might remember this, but early on in the season, Brighton played Man United, and Brighton got a pen because Aaron Connolly got the the wrong side of Paul Pogba and fell yes, over. Yes, I do, yeah. And I think it got overturned. It did, yeah. Mistake. And at the time they looked at it and said, well, he's got the wrong side, but actually he's just fallen down. And that's pretty much what happened here. And we're too reliant on saying, ah, he's the wrong side with the pen. Like, yes, he is the wrong side, but I, I don't think it was that much of a foul in there. Um, yeah. But as Ali says, you, you could probably look at it, you get 10 refs to look at it, and I think five would give it and five wouldn't, and I'm really surprised they didn't get them to look at the screen. Yeah, I but, mean, I think that's what was needed. Like, if, if you look at the screen, I think it just adds credibility. You know, it's like, we one of the things that, 
our level of referee and just at the amateur level. If, if you're confident in what you're saying and you're close to the situation, even if you're wrong, it just adds credibility. So even if the the referee had no intentions of overruling it or changing what he was told by VAR, the minute he just steps over and looks at the monitor, it just adds credibility to any decision that then takes place from then on. And and we quite possibly are not having this argument. You know, there'll still be that debate between fans of, oh, that shouldn't have been, this should have been, that shouldn't have been. But it just takes away the whole, if this was down the other end, it's not given type scenario you know it might still be in the back of your mind and you might still believe that but you can't really say it out loud if you've then seen VAR make the decision the referee go over to look at it and them still coming up with the same decision yeah that's I mean I I don't get that by not looking at it as you say yeah it just kind of looks like uh, it's a decision going towards a big club well it's 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 not so much the not looking at it. It's if say if, if that VR review had lasted twenty seconds, then you'd say yeah. fair enough. But the fact that yeah. they spent two minutes is when because no, we've seen it so many times this season. When they look at something and it goes on for you know two minutes or so, nine times out of ten it's because they're thinking I I think you've got this one wrong, mate. So that that's what really sort of threw me. Sorry, Ali, just when, when you think about the one West Brom got and then got taken away at Old Trafford, yep. it's just like there's absolutely zero consistency there whatsoever. Like For that one to be given and then, and then taken away and this one to be given and not even looked at, mm. it doesn't, doesn't sit right I, with me. I, I did see one thing that did sort of break my mood a bit and make me chuck on Twitter. Just uh, I can't, Someone said something like, you can even, you can do one of two things. You can moan at the amount of dubious penalties Man United get, or you can just bite the bullet and sit Bruno Fernandes in your fantasy team. But I mean, for Man United, as we kind of said earlier, it's mate, it kind of it doesn't feel like they should be in the position they're in, but, you know, they, they've somehow put this run together without anyone kind of really noticing. They're on their 48th penalty in like 60 games, so um, I mean, they quite rightly deserve to be where they are yeah. <laughs> based on that. Um, but it, look, it is, it's, a, it's an incredible run for United. I mean, I think the biggest takeaway I've took from everything you've just said, though, Simon, is you've took one point from four out of six against Man United and Chelsea, and ultimately you're disappointed in that, and, and you should be. That should have been like... I, I think the draw against Chelsea was was very, very disappointing. At least losing to United, while being the better team for the majority of it, at least Man United are on a really good run. But yeah. you lost to Frank Lampard. You drew with Frank Lampard's Chelsea, and that should be embarrassing. Um, I know United, yeah. I don't know what more we can say about United. Like, I, I can't praise them because they're not doing great. They're not. I feel like every time I watch them, they've not been like the dominant best team. I feel every newspaper report, every Man United fan still criticising Ole, yet they're joint top of the league and now got the potential to go clear top within their next two games. This is the odd thing, right? So if you go from their results from November onwards, they lost home to Arsenal. This is Arteta's Arsenal before they were, you know, good. <laughs> they beat Everton away, which was all right, fair enough, played quite well. Beat West Brom at home 1-0. It was a bit of a struggle. There were 2-0 down at Southampton, 1-3-2. Mm-hmm. They won at West Ham, having been awful for 45 minutes, and then turned it round. 
Yeah. Bored Man City to death. Yeah. They, they beat Sheffield United 3-2, which, you know... Everybody beats them. Tallest dwarf and all that. Um, <laughs> the beat Leeds, which, all right, good game, 6-2. Kind of played in my United's hands, playing against a team who just attacked <laughs> like fuck, counter-attack. Um, drew at Leicester, and the, the edge pass Wolves, 1-0. They haven't played anyone off the park for a long time. Yeah. Really. Um, they've, they've played in fits and starts, and they're still joined top. The worry is, what happens if they do it top form? Well, that's it. Um, I mean, if they, I, I don't know, is there a league game between? Ah, there must be, because we've got the cup next, isn't it? I think it's the FA Cup. Yeah. yeah, they've they've got all sorts. They've got the Carabao Cup semi with City on yep. Wednesday. They've then got the FA Cup. They've then got Burnley away, which they were meant to play at the start of the season, but it's been moved because of they, you know, they started late because of the European stuff. Yeah. So they've got that, that that game in hand when they're meant to be having a week off for the winter break. Then they've got Liverpool. No, they've got Burnley first. Is that the game you said? Sorry, Dave. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, which I mean, let's be honest, they'll probably beat Burnley. Yeah, so absolutely no doubt. Absolutely no doubt about it. Yeah, so there'll be three points clear of Liverpool at that point. Um, and then they play us. Mm. Like, and uh, like, I know it sounds like just off the reaction for like our game tonight, but th- there is no way that I can see Liverpool taking points off Man United at the moment. So that would be, be six points clear. You don't lose at Anfield. I think it'll be a draw. I think they'll bore you to death, but still. Okay, that'll be, that'll be four points clear. <laughs> halfway mark, in the, not even the halfway mark in the league. I, uh, I think that that one will be an interesting game because assuming that they do beat Burnley, which I think we all expect them to, so they go they go to Anfield three points clear. So Liverpool, I think, will feel we need to go out and beat them to try and send a message. Which when you that's it, yeah, Manu away from home <laughs> on the counter attack, it plays into their hands and li- as. As good as Liverpool are, like when they're going forward, when? <laughs> they do. Well, yeah, you know what? Like, as good as they can be when they're going forward, they do leave an awful lot of gaps at the back, and they're not at full strength back there. So that could be an interesting game, Matt. Oh, it'll be a great game. But what you would say is that Liverpool are they're a big team game, big yeah, game. Team. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? They're yeah. um, they they seem to turn up when they need to. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Alec, it must be really hard being the Premier League champions. I know, I know, I know. I so bad. Right, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll move off United because I don't want to give them any more praise than need be. Um, I, I, as you say, Simon, I think Villa can see themselves unlucky there. Um, and only getting one point from six, albeit, like, I mean, you're still punching above where you should be, but I think it's time to, you need to get that another win back under the belt just to get it moving again. Well, I mean, to be fair, that, that Chelsea draw was on the back of, I think, four wins from five yeah. in December. So we we were on a decent run, and you, and also you think that that game as well was obviously two days after Boxing Day. Boxing Day we played a half with ten men, and we didn't. We we, we can't change our team. Chelsea made six changes in that game, so I, I think we did well. I think we did well to get a point from that. But I think January, the problem is we've got a game, our game that should have been against Man City at the start of the season. That's in the middle of January. I think our next four games, you've got, you've got Liverpool in the FA Cup uh, coming on Friday. 
And then we've got Tottenham, Man City and Everton, I think, are the next three after that. So, got a tough run of games coming up. So, it'd be interesting to see if we do any business this window to just add some numbers to the squad. Yeah, we'll come on to the window at the end because I'm curious to get your take on a few. On a okay. Few um, we'll move on to the, ah, yeah, Saturday's game. Um, and we started with our Spurs 3-0 against, against Leeds. Um, Harry Kane penalty... Son and Kane combining again for like the 900th time this season. Mm-hmm. And then a Toby Alderweireld goal to, to, to win it off. Um, I didn't actually see this game. I'm trying to think. No, I didn't. Um, I mean, I'll go to you, Dave. No doubt you'll have watched this one. I did. Um, I kind of thought that this turned out as we thought it would, to be honest. I think Leeds played pretty patterns for a long time and said this in the WhatsApp chat on Saturday, like Patrick Bamford's done well this season, he had as many goals as he has, but you can't help but feel that the more you watch him, like if they had someone better up there, they'd be in the top four. Like they make so many chances. Um and it's 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 really impressive the way they play, but obviously the lagging centre half at the minute, which isn't gonna help you against I mean no one could ever look at this match and thought that Kane and or Son weren't gonna score. Like Players that quality against makeshift centre backs was it wasn't going to end wasn't going to end well. Um, but Leeds didn't play that badly. They never do. They, they, as I say, they, they made quite a few chances. They just didn't take them. Um, Spurs do what Spurs do and get a couple of goals, soak up the pressure, and just keep hitting you on the counter. Um, the penalty was probably the only talking point where it's kind of on the line. I think if you've been generous, but I think Ross, with it, if he has his lead spectacles on, would say it was probably. A, the wrong side of the line. I don't know if you saw the pen, but it was pretty close to, to maybe not being a pen. Well, I seen that tonight, actually, now that you remind me, Dave, I meant to actually bring that up when we're talking about Simon's one. I think the original contact, I can see why Ross would be annoyed, but it's impossible for that contact to make the contact and then stop. So because it was so close to the line, and you could argue it was on the line. Well, the, on the line, it's a penalty, as we know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so even if the original context, even a millimetre outside the box, the contact doesn't stop and then pull away. It automatically, you know, continues mm. through. So, so uh, yeah, I can. I have no issue with that being a penalty. And well, well, well I thought with, with, with that one was... Because where um, Bergwijn's position was, it was one leg was in the box, and one... They tried the... Uh, his left leg was outside the box, which I think, or just very much, at, you know, right on the edge or whatever. That's where the contact was. So if if a player is half in the box and half out, and the leg that's out is the one that's caught, do you give a penalty or not? I mean, I think it was a penalty, but I, I don't know what the rule is on that. It's it's, it's where the, the the contact is made. That's it has to be. Um... I mean, I, I mean, thought it was a penalty. I thought it was on the line, to, to be honest. But I, I think it, it that, was it was close. I think when it's that close, you probably yeah. would say it is in the box, wouldn't you? Like, yeah, it's got to have been some part of him was at least on the line. But I mean, I, I sympathise with Ross because it went against you. You'd probably have stuff to complain about, wouldn't you? But fundamentally, they got beat three 0 It didn't really affect the result that much. I know the first goal is always a killer, but I think that would have turned out the same way regardless. Because it's not like Leeds would have played any differently had they been one 0 up or nil nil or whatever. You know, they were still gonna going to leave those gaps so I wasn't I wasn't I wouldn't be overly upset about it 
Oh, I mean, it happened to our team, so, yeah, it was poor, poor Leeds. Um, <laughs> but, no, it's, to be fair to Leeds, it's, it's, it's great, the style of football they're playing, it's really enjoyable to watch. They they are a team that definitely need to do some business this, this January because they have no defenders. Um, and I think we've said for a while about your Bamford point as well, Dave, if they just had a goal scorer there, um, they, they just would be a lot more threatening. It's, it's probably annoying for them because he's, he's quite a clever footballer and he gets in some really good positions. He's quite bright with some flicks and things around the box, but... Just doesn't seem to have that. I don't know what you call it, like that's almost killer instinct, um, which is another thing to say about someone who's already got ten goals on in this season. But um, I just I feel like he makes some some odd decisions in the final third. Yeah, I mean, a man we seen score tonight would be perfect for them. Ings would be. Oh, gotcha. You know, just that oh, type yeah. of finisher, that that type of movement as well. He he would be the dream for Leeds. Um, all while having the pace and the pressing, and I just don't know if these like mechanical keys would hold up to Bielsa's training. I was going to say, funny enough, for the boy Watkins at Villa, who obviously the lads have got a side bet on, would actually be doing even better, I think, in Leeds' team. I think he obviously brings a lot to Villa, but I think he uh, he would fit that Leeds sort of pressing system really well. Yeah, it's the way the it's the way they play with the numbers to get forward and uh, on the taxes, isn't it? Is 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 why they ultimately create so many chances because they've just got so many bodies up there. And yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think, like, I, I think Bamford, he, he's, he's obviously done well uh, to get you know uh, the ten goals as you say, but I think when a team creates that many chances, a half decent striker is going to get you know law of averages suggest they're going to get goals. I think if they, I'm totally with you. Though, if they had like and actually good, good Premier League striker, they'd, they'd be doing an awful lot better. But but then having, having said that, I mean, they've scored, I think before that game, uh, they'd scored 30 goals, but they conceded 30 goals. So it doesn't matter how you know, many chances you create and, uh, you know, if you've got a striker sticking them away, ultimately, if if you can't defend, which they can't, but <laughs> wrong, it's amazing. They're very entertaining to watch. But they cannot defend to save their lives. So until I'm not saying I'm not one of these that necessarily says, oh, he's got to change his ways or anything like that. But you just got, to, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is because I mean, they're not going to go down. They're not going to be in any danger of going down. So you can say, well, do they need to bother defending? And you know, they've been out the league for so long. So I think they're just happy, you know, they're happy to be back again and enjoying it. But fucking hell, they they just cannot defend. It's ridiculous. I know, but if you put uh, Cock and Lorente in that in the centre half position, who they're missing at the minute, and with Phillips in front of them, I think they look a lot more solid. I mean, they, they did look a lot more solid, not, not solid, but you know, not as leaky as they are now early on in the season. I think you can't underestimate the fact they're missing mm. you know two international centre halves there. Yeah. Um... I think yeah, I think we've all everybody's had their say on on Leeds, um, but I'd say yeah, I'd say even getting their full defence back, they would defend better. But as you say, Simon, even at the start of the season, it was kind of that you know rock and roll football type. Just yeah, and and I mean we might see it not change, 
bit mature next season. You know, once they've had the year in the Premier League, they've, they've got that Premier League money coming in. Um, I assume Bielsa will stay another season. He only does one-year contracts, I believe. Um, so I'm, I assume he would stay one more year after that and then see who they can then bring in on top of that um, and, and see where they go. Um, I mean, Spurs are Spurs. Are Spurs. You know, they're for as good a team as they are, they're, they're never, they never really blow teams away because it's not their, it's not Jose's way now, is it? It's kind of that very methodical, um, sometimes very boring, um, especially in the bigger games. Uh, yeah, so as you say, Dave, I think it, this game kind of went the exact way that you would have predicted if you were to design it beforehand. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How Tottenham won six one at Man United. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, and Man United are now top of the league. I know. It's just, it just makes sense, does it? Um, well, speaking of predictable, um, Sheffield United lost again. Um, Crystal Palace with a 2-0 win. Um, Jeffrey Schlupp with the opener. And then a very overhyped, over-talked about goal this weekend for me. Um, as good as it was, I don't think it was anywhere near the calibre, the way people are talking about it. Um, a very good player, though. I like Easy. Um, made it 2-0 just on the well, in the last seconds um, of the end, added on time in the first half. Uh, Simon, I mean, thoughts on this game and I mean, were you as impressed with the, the easy goal as Twitter seemed to be? Um, I was, so I, I didn't watch I've seen the highlights of it, um, but I I chose this as a game that this isn't one you need to sit through the full 90 minutes or you, you don't need to punish yourself with that. Um, so I, but I'd heard, you know, I'd seen on Twitter, Wonder Girl, Wonder Girl. So I was really looking forward to it, and like, yeah, it's it's a decent goal, you know, to to carry the ball that length of the pitch. Is I suppose is suppose is quite impressive, but it's it's a lot easier to do that when you have nobody challenging you. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you run sixty yards and you skin three or four people. That's you, like I think Son got one against Burnley for Tottenham last season where he actually took it past a few people. I think one Sheffield United defender gave a sort of half-hearted attempt to kick him, but got nowhere near him. Um, it was a nice finish, I suppose. But I mean, the game, it, as you said, it is it was predictable. That's the sun rising each morning and setting each evening. Sheffield United lost. The there was what what I. What I find quite interesting now, sort of going for the rest of the season, is uh, every team who plays Sheffield United next must have such a severe worry in the back of their heads because at some stage you think surely, surely they have to win a game and you do not want to be that team that they do get that first win against. I mean, so <laughs> I, I can confirm I am absolutely shitting it because that's our next. <laughs> that's, our, that's our next game, and all I keep thinking is that Derby, Derby took four points off us in the. I remember, yeah. <laughs> in the, the record-setting season, and we are primed to help out Sheffield United. <laughs> but if if you were a Sheffield United fan, would you would you be thinking now, right? We're going to go down. Let's really fucking go down in style and, and break that record, smash that record to smithereens. Like, do you, would you want to stay up having beaten that record? Or do you think, look, we've been awful. Let's let's truly make our mark and be really fucking awful. I don't think anyone wants that record, does it? I certainly wouldn't want it. <laughs> no, surely not. But it, it's a perverse part of you, Mike. I don't, I don't know. 
Because that's the only thing they've got left to play for this season is to try and break that record. Well, I mean, that, this is the thing. I mean, I keep, I've been, I was saying for weeks that they'll probably find a few wins and all of a sudden be back in it, but it's, get, it's looking less and less likely that they're going to pull themselves, well, even try to pull themselves out of it because they, they were so half-arsed in this game. As you say, the, the easy goal kind of summed it up where it was an easy goal and he ran the length of the field. <laughs> It was basically, like, if you ever watched, you know the drill on Soccer AM where they just yeah. where they have a one have a one on one. Like that's basically what it was. Like he just he just ran and passed in the corner. So um, fair fair play to for doing it. But um, if I was a Sheffield United fan, I'd be absolutely fuming with the the level of commitment on show there. Like it was uh, it was atrocious. And I think the boy Ampadu from Chelsea was getting the kicking from some of the Sheffield United fans. Um, he seems to have. Well, I think one of them said he doesn't have a, doesn't have a uh, career in professional football ahead of him, which might be a touch strong, but obviously <laughs> emotions are running high there. <laughs> yeah, like I've said it for weeks, and obviously as you say, Dave, you 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 went against me, and like you could see them getting wins somewhere, but it's just looking less and less likely, and they just the the worrying thing for Sheffield, like forgetting obviously, yeah, they're missing. Uh, the the centre back, uh, what's his name? I know. Yeah, and obviously he's key to the way they play. But is Chris Wilde that that inept that you can't just change it up? Because surely mm. at some point you have to just give up. You have to just say right, okay, <laughs> this isn't working. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's a fair point. Like they just play the same system every game. I mean, in this obviously they've got a bit of COVID I think as well at the minute, so they were like, oh, you know, we can't. We can't pick our full bench, so we've got six subs on there. But you know, we've put this team out, and it was like back five. They were short of midfielder, so they played McGoldrick as like a I don't know what you call it, like an attacker midfielder behind behind two behind two strikers. And I was like, really? Like, surely there was another option than this. (laughs) That's wild, though. The way he's playing this season is the reason um, Allardyce keeps getting a job, and um, the Tony Pulis. You know, he's that inept and he refuses to change and want to play set ways. It's the reason like bringing bringing in Sam Allardyce and Tony Pulis and Alan Pardew all work because, right, granted, it's horrible to watch and and even Steve Bruce, as much as you hate it, Dave, but it, it's effective for teams like that. It makes them hard to beat. It makes them work harder. Um, and to be honest, I, I think West Brom fans m- may disagree with that assessment on on Allardyce's impact so far. <laughs> well, they, they got a point at Liverpool, right? So <laughs> they, um, they can stop bitching after their smugness after that game. I'm delighted that it's went so far after that. But you know, like what Wilder is doing, like okay, we gave him a lot of praise last season, but it's went wrong since February. Yeah. Like, I tell you, what, 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 a points total. I think they've only got something like in the last maybe 34 games, I think it is, maybe since lockdown opened back up. They only have something like eight points. Yeah, they wouldn't. I think they beat, did they beat Chelsea 3 0. Yeah. Uh, says, says a lot for Lampard, doesn't it? But no, I think, <laughs> I think they'd won one in 13 or something a few weeks ago and obviously it's got worse and worse since then so yeah it's a hell of a, hell of a run like, isn't it? We're kind of, another thing that I've found really strange is that the, the whole uh, Ryan Brewster thing now look obviously it was 
it's a lot of it's a lot to put on a young lad's shoulders to go try and go to a club like that and you know be the answer. But he's not even to spend that amount of money and then not even give him a chance to be the answer. Not not that he necessarily would be, but like he he did very well when he went on loan at Swansea. So which you know okay it's it's the championship, but there's there's obviously a decent player there, and I yeah. don't I, I don't get why. They've spent twenty-five million on him and just not bothered playing him when they can't score. I mean, it's a great way to kill a youngster's confidence to take him somewhere and say, right, you are behind the following strikers: Dave yeah. McGoldrick, Lise Mousset, <laughs> Ollie Burke, <laughs> McBurney, McBurney, and Billy Sharp. Billy Sharp, ninety-five-year-old <laughs> championship goal-scoring hero. Yeah. Um, look, is is Ryan Bristol worth twenty-five million? Absolutely no chance. Was, did he do a okay job, actually good job at Swansea? Yes. He's never been terrible when he got appearances for Liverpool and cup games or that. You know, he was never terrible. Yeah. So it's not like he would be... Like, if Patrick Bamford can score double figures in the Premier League, I have faith if you put Brewster in a, a semi-attacking team. Yeah, he get, get a few goals. Yeah, he could do the same sort of job. Like, to not... For a while they weren't even playing him. They were playing him as a solo striker. He's he's like 19 year old. He's skinny as hell. He's small, and you're playing him as a lone striker in Sheffield United. Come on, give the guy a break. Um, and and then the the other ridiculous thing is so the strikers that he does play like Burnley, McGoldrick, who are basically just big lumps. You think the the tactic has got to be get the ball in the box, but every time you watch them, they get the ball out wide, and then. There's just no cross comes into the box. He's then passed back into the middle. Like, surely you've got to. If, if you're not putting the ball in the box, how can you possibly expect to get a few goals? You, yeah. Surely you've got to whip a few balls in. It's very odd as well to play wing backs and not have like the, the aim of getting the ball in the middle. Like, <laughs> very strange. Very yeah. strange. Strange. Yeah, you're right. But I think that's. I think I even I'll admit now. I think they're down. <laughs> just admitting it now well I'm saying this because they're playing us next and uh, you know I don't want to go in them too hard but a bit late for that now so <laughs> well the, the the following game of the weekend was the, the highest scoring one um, and it was comical to watch um, Brighton 3 Wolves 3 how Brighton ended up getting a point in this game I will never know um, Dan Burton was just absolute comical in this game and he got the full 90 minutes and didn't get sent off either which is very bizarre um dave did you did you watch this um yeah so i spent the whole day complaining that this was the 5:30 game and then like just watched it all unfold <laughs> <laughs> it was outstanding um it's uh i didn't expect to finish 3-3 um as you say dan burn helped with that a great deal but yes What's happened to Wolves is what I really want to focus on here because they would never go through one up and, and not win against a team like Brighton. Like that's just Jimenez. I know Jimenez. That's that's not Wolves. Is it like they're normally quite quite good front runners? Um, but they were I don't know. Like they were just sloppy and obviously gave away a pen straight after half time, which was for someone of Matinho's uh, experience. I thought that was unusual. And then obviously Lewis Dunk remembered. His time under Chris Hutton and actually got in the end of a corner. So, no, 
every time we kind of write Brighton off, they come up with a result like this because at three one down, I was like, oh, they actually are in real trouble of being relegated here, and then you know they rescue a draw, and you think, well, maybe it's not that bad after all. Yeah, definitely a massive point. Um, Wolves just, I feel Nuno's took them as far as he can take them, and they maybe need like a, a refresh um, because the players are there. Um, I, I do think they've changed their four at the back still, haven't they? And I just think that goes like their best defender for the last few seasons, obviously been Connor Cody, um, but. That's purely because they built a three-man defence around a man who's very good at seeing the ball, heading the ball, kicking the ball and tackling the ball. Um, and unfortunately, when you move to four, he then becomes that bit, bit more vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't looked as good in a, in, in a two by any means. Um, it's a funny thing with Wolves because they've got a lot of players who are decent Um and you know, could be could have gone to be very very good players, but at the minute they've kind of got like a lot of like seven eight out of tens. So there's no without Jimenez in particular, there's no kind of standout to drag them over over the line to big wins anymore. They're just kind of a run of the mill side, which is kind of proven by the fact they're thirteenth. Um, they 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 do look very average all of a sudden. Um, and I say it can't just be down to Jimenez not being there because I say they've got three goals here, so it's not like they're struggling necessarily for goals, but um, they are missing that kind of X factor, I think, which is odd considering they've got so many young Portuguese players who just, you know, <laughs> throw in step overs and flip flaps everywhere. But I, I don't know that they they're just missing something, aren't they? Yeah, I feel Neves, who was very like instrumental, like without massive on goals and assists, but he was the key playmaker, almost that quarterback type. He seems to have like. Not falling off a cliff as such, but he's nowhere near the impact he's had for the past season and a half. Or even, when did they come up? Is this their third season in the Premier League? Yeah, yeah. yeah third season. So the last season in the Championship where he was, obviously he was outstanding. And then, obviously, he, he, he's not he's not as having high an impact as he did in the Championship. Obviously, coming up against higher calibre players. But he was still very efficient and very methodical in a way. And then, obviously, adding in Martinho kind of just complimented them. And then I just feel at the end of last season and this season, the two of them, to be fair, have kind of dropped off from where we expect. Uh, I mean, I mean, Simon, I mean, what was your thoughts on this? And come on, talk more about Dan Byrne, please. As, as much as follow-up uh, <laughs> is enjoyable. Uh, well, I think on, on the games I've just uh, briefed on Wolves, it's, it's not just obviously the loss of Jimenez. I mean, Jota... As I've said before, a few times on this pod, I think has been a huge loss to them. And I also think that uh, Matt Doherty has been a loss because he could sort of plan the right to that uh, midfield four, which then meant that you could have Traore up in the in the front three, sort of where he can just do a bit more damage. So I think Doherty, Jota, Jimenez sort of not being there anymore. There were three sort of key parts of that team. So I think that that's possible reason for what's happened to Wolves but with uh, the game itself like kind of like you guys said it, it, it's a mad game like I, I didn't see Brighton taking the lead for a start and then when they went 3-1 down and, and the way they went 3-1 down I mean that that own goal kind <laughs> of like 
in in Burns' defence, there's there's not an awful lot he could have really done about that. I'd, I'd be more pissed off at the keeper's attempts to try and deal with what whatever the what, I don't know was it a crossing or a shot in or. I think it was a shot that deflected, wasn't it? But he, yeah, yeah and, such a such a crisp pocket hand flap at it. It was. Uh... <laughs> and that <laughs> was head on that led to the corner in that play. Oh yes, it was. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, I do, I do remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that okay, that that was that was poor. <laughs> um, and then the penalty itself, like, I I don't know what part of him thought that he was going to catch Shadama Traore, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a ridiculous. It was. It's one of those that you know when you see those penalties given, and there's not even like a half-assed protest. I've I've got the ball. I didn't touch him. It was like he thought I've given a own goal away. And I've just done this. I can't. This, this half can't end soon enough. It was, it was borderline cruel, though, wasn't it? Putting up against Traore. It was minimal cover as well. Like, it was like. You're a giraffe. Go and tackle this gazelle. And he just, <laughs> he just, with five he just couldn't get near him. Uh, it, it was bad. And then, you know, at, kind of like at half time, I thought, well, that's surely that's game over because Brighton just don't score. Um, but the obviously the penalty, what, 20 odd seconds, 30 seconds into the second half. Um, I don't know what. Clearly, just gave them a bit, bit of a G up, and but even their wolves still, they they should have had. They, they've they've got the players there that that should have been able to see that game through, and they, I mean, they were. It's weird because in those last few minutes, they were fortunate to have still come away with the points because I didn't see anything wrong with Tro- what Trossard did mm. when he went through. Yeah. Like, not he's just the defenders just launched himself to the ground. That's not a foul for me. I think he's got very lucky, but then right at the end with literally the last touch of the ball how Otazawi has I, I don't know <laughs> I don't know how he got the elevation on that header like it seemed impossible to not head it down into the grounds but he got some height on that you declared two goals on top of each other there it's <laughs> an unbelievable it's one of the worst misses of the season that I've he, seen it was he, shocking he is an absolute bull in a china shop isn't he it's like, <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's like the I mean, he's probably decent football, but it's like they've bought someone from the NFL and said, right, you just <laughs> come play football. And he's just like bumbling around the place, picking up cards and just booting balls out of bars. And he, he, I'm sure he's quite good, really. But every time I see him, I just think, Christ, he, he just needs to settle down. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll move on from um, Dan Burns' um, highlight of my Saturday night. Um, and a game I, I'm not even going to lie, I didn't even watch because I thought this was going to be horrendous. Um, but West Brom nil, Arsenal four. Um, TMA Saka and a double from Lacazette. Um, you must be bad if Lacazette's gone twice. Um, Big Sam's at the helm, Dave. Yeah, it's hilarious. I mean, this could have this could have finished a hundred nil, and that's probably not even that much of an exaggeration. <laughs> like. Like West Brom allowed Arsenal to turn into 2004 Arsenal, where they were like the Harlem Globetrotters, just picking these little one-twos around around West Ham's terrible defence. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the second goal, but it was it was like exactly. Arsenal of old. Yeah. But again, like, have you seen ever seen when like in, in in Japan where they do like three Japanese internationals against a hundred children? <laughs> so, so it was like that, <laughs> but um, but the children 
we're, we're actually on Arsenal's team and just unbelievably good. Um, but again, against against West Brom, like it's, it's, I saw Arsenal fans as usual, you know, jumping the gun, saying they were back. But but it's against West Brom, who I know they took a point at Liverpool, but they've lost heavily in about every other game. Um, I read some big Sam stats this week. Um, oh, in this, on, it, well, I can't remember. There's nothing fun. It was just like it's, oh. he. But the bottom line is that he takes quite a while to get going. Like his first ten results in most of the clubs he's been at have been like one win, two wins. So um, I think I said this a few weeks ago, but I would fully expect him to come up with some typical Big Sam signings. However, um, have you seen the, the clip doing the round at the minute where he was on Talksport a couple of years ago complaining about um, Theresa May having another Brexit vote because he wanted Brexit to happen there and then, and now he's been complaining this week that he can't sign his usual shitey six foot seven Zambians because of the new Brexit rules. Um, so, you know, Big Sam's game plan is already unravelling. Yeah, well, I, I was listening to TalkSport when he was on this week and he was complaining that he had three players lined up mm. um, but due to the new rules that he voted for, um, yeah, they can't happen. So, um, no, it's, it's hilarious. I mean, my prediction is that he'll resign in about March before they get officially relegated. Well, he's all, he's already with with the COVID and wanting the circuit break. I feel he's already kind of setting himself up for that. Yeah, I think he'll I think he'll walk away either due to health reasons or yeah, you know, or he'll have a, a very public fallout with the chairman or something stupid like that, and he'll walk away without being relegated to yeah, uh, to safe face. Um, especially obviously the way obviously the country's gone now as well. It's kind of all fallen into place for him to use it. Because he's already said it's it's kind of dangerous at his age. Even though when he played Liverpool, he sat with the mask around his chin, you know, the whole time, you know, the whole. Uh, hang on. Okay. Sat with his mask around his chins. Plural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's he, the problem. We didn't have a mask big enough. We should well, get my snood. We should chip together and get my nice scarf snood. I mean, I don't think the virus wants what some other guys has. To be quite honest. With you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still think he'll sign some fucking huge defenders in January and he'll have a go at it, but I, I, they're, just, they're just so poor. They've got nothing. And he's even stopped playing the good ones, like Pereira. Like I think he was only a sub. So I, I, I just can't see it. Yeah, he plays football, Dave. He's not, he's not wanted. <laughs> well, he kind, of, he kind of seems to have settled on like Matt Phillips being the answer, and I'm telling you now, it's not. So. <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> well... Uh, I mean, Simon, it's a, much more to add on, on what Dave said. As you say, it was a very good second goal. I, I did see the clip of that goal. Uh, and I've also seen the clip of Tierney's that I've spent the last couple of days actually defending against <laughs> some idiotic Liverpool fans. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, well, I'm, I enjoyed the game immensely. As much as it's, <laughs> it's, it's fun to see Arsenal lose. Uh, but I mean, I, I can't stand West Brom. I, I, I can't lie. I'm absolutely loving watching watching <laughs> what's happening to them. I honestly think that they are a worse team than Sheffield United, but have just somehow managed to shithouse their way to six or seven more points than them, however they've, many they've got. Sheffield United, to be fair, okay, they, they lose every week, but they only tend to lose by one or two. Like, it's, they don't really get absolutely battered. West Brom are getting annihilated by virtually everyone. And they're just, they're so bad. Allardyce is, 
I mean, the game has long overtaken mm. his style of management. I, um, I just, I, I can't wait for them to officially go down. Which the way they're going, hopefully, will be by early mid March. They'll be gone. Can't wait for Allardyce to be out, and I don't want him back managing in in the Premier League. Um, because, like, what would really concern me? He said after the game, he was saying it's how basically. They're gonna, you know, we're gonna have to change our tactics because, and he said we showed against Villa, Leeds, and today what happens when we open up and try and play against teams. Now, from my memory of when we played them, if that <laughs> if that is what Allardyce thinks, opening up and having to go at teams, if that if that's his version of his team opening up and having to go, I mean that. If they weren't already fucked, that is confirmed. Then they are knackers. <laughs> I can't wait to see the back of them. They're the most, oh, they're just bloody awful to watch. Should not be anywhere near the Premier League. I don't know how he gets away with it because he he, he took over at us when his stock was probably at its highest because he'd just taken Bolton to seventh, was it or sixth? You know, they'd, they'd done yeah. well for a couple of seasons and inherited a team that had like Ophelia Martins, it had Michael Owen, it had. Uh, Damien Duff, Charles and Zogby, like players who were in typical like get down and play football kind of players, and we were absolutely shite. Like, <laughs> like he didn't have a clue how to set us up. Like I think Oden played on the wing on some games, and Martin's played on the wing, and he he, he couldn't get a tune out of any fucker. Um, <laughs> and as I said the other week, I was so pleased we escaped him after just four or five months. Like it could have been so much worse. Um, and the worst like. Again, it's a bit like Bruce Lake. All the all his pals in the media won't slag him off. Like he's got so many mm. friends. I saw a stat the other day that said he took Newcastle from fifteenth to eleventh when he got sacked. Now, you know we were never fifteenth, but when he took over, it was the start of a season, and alphabetically we were fifteenth. <laughs> like, how people get away with this shit, I do not know. Oh, that's unreal. <laughs> right, shall we move off? The, nobody wants to praise Arsenal much. Um, and again, yeah, as Dave said, it's only West Brom. Um, let's see if they can maintain. I, I'm liking the new setup, the new tactics. Um, but everybody said the same after when Arteta took over last season as well. Um, on to Sunday. And uh, Dave will be delighted to hear that the Burnley game is postponed, so we don't have to talk about Burnley, Dave. Um, unfortunately, next up. <laughs> uh, Newcastle won Leicester too. Um, I, I, I'm going to quickly point out, Andy Carroll won me £40 in this game. Um, so I am delighted that Andy Carroll came off the bench and scored. Um, but a 2-0 defeat to, to Leicester, I only watched, I think, the second half, Dave. Um, I didn't even watch the second half. I, I, I never seen the Madison goal, and I watched from there. And after the Thielman's goal, and obviously it was probably about a little bit too late, but I thought Newcastle were very good in that last 20 minutes. Really? I mean, we were okay. Like, we scored the goal and never really threatened to get another one. Like, we set up as usual to not lose, and once we went behind, kind of didn't really have an answer, and then he threw Andy Carroll on, and yeah, fair enough, he took his goal well, but after that, I think Wilson had a chance when he was offside, and there was a lot of pissing about and not getting the ball in the box, that kind of thing. Um we it would have been a rob job if we if we got a point out of it because Leicester had us at arm's length pretty much throughout. Um and as I say it was only the arrival of Carroll that seemed to panic them a little bit. Um 
Leicester are one of those teams who are, we're, we're never going to beat with this manager because any team who can pass and move quickly have just have got too much for us, um, which covers most of the league, unfortunately. So I wasn't surprised that we lost. Um, I was surprised we held them for as long as we did, but uh, you have to say, Thielman's took his goal very well. What I've noticed about Leicester, I don't know if this is a regular Brendan Rodgers thing, but he's made them into one of those teams that, like, as soon as they lose the ball, they just look to foul you. Like, it doesn't matter, like, where else on the field they are. They just look to fucking stop you in your tracks. Like, it's uh, Some of them are quite subtle, and some of them, like, Taylorman's nearly, nearly killed Almiron. It was uh, it was a pretty rough tackle. Was it Almiron? I can't remember now, but he, he took someone out anyway. Um so yeah, I'm I'm no more downhearted about than I normally am. We uh, we didn't deserve to win. We're not going anywhere in a hurry. We're we're still eight points over the bottom three, but I, I'm looking over my shoulder because we we seem to have been on sitting around like less than twenty points for a long time now. So we could do with a win. Well, I'm a bit more upbeat than Dave in the last twenty minutes. <laughs> Simon, I mean, what was your thoughts on the game? Um, well, I mean. I, I kind of only saw bits and pieces. I'd, I'd seen the highlights of it. Um, it kind of just fairly, I thought, comfortable routine victory for Leicester. Um, kind of like they said, Newcastle just don't set up to try and win a game. And once you fall behind, it's you know I think we've said it before. It's, it's difficult to, to change that mindset. Then um, I did. I kind of thought when when Carroll got the goal. And there was, how, was about, what, 10 minutes left still to go, I think? I think it was yeah. probably a bit longer, maybe. In yeah. I can't remember exactly, but and, time and anyway. You kind of, I I mean, I, I still thought that Leicester would, would see it through, but I I was a little disappointed in that. I, I kind of thought, well, you've got Carroll up there, surely, for one reason and one reason only, and that is to just pump the ball up to him in the box as many times as possible and let him try and cause a bit of havoc. And it just it didn't really happen. It's, uh, it's very it's, so it's, much fannying around outside the box, like just fucking yeah, get it in like, the box, man. <laughs> you just kind of well, that, that's you thought right. Steve Bruce has put Andy Carroll onto the pitch. Surely there must have been an instruction when he went on to hit it long to the big man, and it just never seemed to come. And if if anything, kind of you, you thought if there was going to be another goal for me, I thought it would be Leicester doing Newcastle yeah. on the counter. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would say that, to be fair to Leicester, they worked so fucking hard in that last 10 minutes to stop us getting the ball in the box. Like, I know Vardy works hard generally, but even closing down like the, the, the centre-halves he would be launching it, he was he just wouldn't stop. Like Even after <coughs> eight, eight, like 85, 90 minutes, he was still <laughs> working his nuts off to, to stop that. And I guess that's mm. you know probably worth worth a couple of points to them in the end. But uh, we didn't deserve another the game, as you say. We, we, we don't set up to win these sorts of games. We don't really set up to win any game. We just set up to play on the counter, and then people like Michael Richards sitting in the Sky Studio saying, "Oh, you know, he sets up his teams to be solid and hard to beat," which is why we like Darlow's made some, like a hundred saves this season because we're so hard to beat. Like <laughs> t- t- teams just have the freedom of our box most of the time. But don't don't get me started on Michael Richards' punditry because we could be here for hours. <laughs> I mean, I, stand that I, I think people love him because he's he's charismatic, but. I think outside of what he says about Man City, I think he's chatting shit a lot of the time. Yeah, <laughs> to put it to put it mildly. <laughs> I think um, I think that's a perfect segue, Dave. I think we'll just move off the the new yeah, oh, Please do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously the last game of the evening, 
was a very makeshift Man City. Um, three, Chelsea one. Now, I didn't think Chelsea, Man City were as good as a lot of people make out. They were good, um, but a lot of people in our WhatsApp were making it. This was like the Man City of old. I think they just came up against Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Um, but Gundogan, Foden and De Bruyne gave City a 3 0 lead and don't get me wrong, very well deserved. Probably could have been five or six. Um and then Chelsea obviously pulling one back in the last the last second. Um for you, Simon, was this a, a Man City masterclass or was this Frank Lampard's Chelsea? Um it's sort of a combination of the two, although I, I agree that it wasn't I wouldn't say that it was a, a City masterclass in, in terms of City of old, because Dougie and they, they, especially the first two goals, they, you know, they took them very well, uh, the very well worked goals. But you look at like the third goal. I mean, that that is just it's a classic. That's the Frank Lampard Chelsea that, that you're looking at for how that third goal's gone in. How they're so defensively naive. I, you, I look at. Their squad, and that that the squad that they've got available to them under a proper manager, I think with the way that this season has gone in terms of how uh, you know Liverpool have dropped a few points, the squad that Chelsea have with a proper manager should be should be a few points clear at the top of the table because they've got a very good squad of play- certainly attacking players. They've got an unbelievable selection. But they are—they're just so hamstrung by the manager that they've got. He, I mean, we've kind of—we're going over old ground really here. But he's so far out of his depth and so underqualified for that job. And in the way, part of me sort of feels a little sorry for him in a way because you can say he shouldn't have took the job because he was too inexperienced. But you know, he's—you know—he's at Chelsea for years as a player. If they—if they're going to offer him the job. Of course, he's going to take it, but he should never have been put in that position in the first place. He's, and you know, for had he maybe stayed at Derby for a couple of years and got a bit of experience at a low level, he could have then progressed and gone on. You know, learned, learned from his mistakes that that he's still making. Which in the Championship, you'd probably get you get a bit more leeway as a young manager, you know, in his first job, but. The, the goals they give away and, and how how naive they are and how much they get caught, it's I mean it's the same thing over and over again. I, I just I I can't believe well I couldn't believe he got the job in the first place. I, and I'll be gobsmacked if he's if at the start of next season he's still Chelsea manager. I'll be amazed. Yeah, Dave. I mean, did you see the game and? Yeah. No. It, well. First half was very enjoyable. It was uh, very open. Um, I mean, as you say, De Bruyne being able to head a free kick away from just outside his own box and pretty much what go in challenge to the other, the other penalty area and tap in. Unbelievable. Like, how is that allowed to happen? Um, my question really is what the hell's happened to N'Golo Kante? Because he's gone from like being indestructible and he was, you know, he was almost like there was two of them on the pitch and you could play two in midfield with him being one of them and you wouldn't have a problem. To now, he's, he's a nothing player. Like he doesn't do anything anymore. It's um, that's it's. But that whole midfield doesn't seem to really know what the job is. Like, I don't think the back four is necessarily the problem either. I just think there's nothing in front of them, and that's what I find really hard to to get my head around. 
Yeah, Jorginho um, signing has ruined him. Well, I, I don't know what it is like, but as as Simon says, like the setup of the team isn't right. There's no balance there. Um, I mean, you could argue that they should probably have two in front of that back four, and then have you know the three attacking three behind a striker. That kind of thing would probably work. But as we've alluded to before, like there's players being signed who are, are like football manager players, but there's no system there for them to fit into. Like v- Werner, <coughs> I think we all love the idea of Timo Werner because he got loads of goals in the Bundesliga, but he, he's not a lone striker, is he? No, he got loads of goals in a system. Um, yeah. He built that system around him, and Chelsea just didn't have that. Um, as, as you look, I, I mean, I've alluded to it many times, and you've just mentioned it there. It's a very football manager summer they had. Signing players just because they're good and you've got the money to do it doesn't automatically make a good team. Um, and especially when you've got a very, very mediocre manager. And I mean mediocre at best. Mm. Uh, it, it just isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to help. Like, Pep, as much as I hate Guardiola, um, he can do that sort of thing. You know, he can sign players and make it work. Um, because a lot of players will buy into his system regardless just because of who he is. There's not many players who are going to buy into a Frank Lampard system. I don't even know what Frank Lampard system is. But... That's that's the problem, isn't it? Mason Mount plus ten, isn't it? Yeah. Like, even if he had a system, say he had a set way of playing, how many players are going to come in and buy into a Frank Lampard system? Um, unless they're a Chelsea fan and they just love Frank Lampard, but he doesn't really command that respect either. Like Zidane walked in having really no managerial experience at Real Madrid, and and, and players bought in because. It's Zidane. Unless you're a Chelsea fan, like a younger, like, and and that's why I say Tammy and and Mason Mount have done so well because they're Chelsea youths and Chelsea fans. They've bought into it regardless because they care. Yeah, I think you were right when you said earlier. I think it's almost like they needed Lampard last season when they couldn't buy anybody, and you you did really well with with the, yeah. you know, the Abrahams and the Mount and Tomori and whoever else had came through, but. Now they have money to play with. It's uh, it's like giving matches to a kid, isn't it? Like it's just there's no plan there. Uh, and if he got sacked tomorrow, they wouldn't go out and hire Brentford's manager, would they? Because that's essentially who Chelsea appointed here, like the the, yeah. playoff, the playoff final losers manager. Yeah. Like you, they, they just wouldn't, would they? Like they'll, they'll get someone in who's a bigger name, and you know if they don't go and get like Allegri or or someone of that ilk, then something's gone horribly wrong, I would suggest. But um, I, I don't think they'll be there next season. I think they'll be, I think they'll be moved aside. Yeah. I mean, unless, it, unless things improve dramatically. But it's, like some of the decisions as well are just completely baffling. Like, for example, okay, take Timo Werner for example. He, he comes in, start, he plays, he plays him down through the middle, maybe for the first two or three games of the season. Realizes, yeah, maybe this isn't working. So sticks him out wide. And then the last sort of few weeks, okay, they haven't necessarily picked up, uh, you know, the results that you'd want. But Giroud and Abraham have still managed to get a few goals between them. And so in the game where, you know, Man City have got the best defensive record in the league this season. So, you know, that chances, you know, they're not going to come, you know, left, right and centre. So you're going to have to have a clinical striker up there. So how... I, I just couldn't. I was absolutely gobsmacked that Giroud 
was just drops come in say what you want about him he gets goals he's so Werner, he's, showing that, that he can't this season Giroud's so underappreciated by Chelsea the amount of times now where he's oh. come in and they've looked a better team with him in and he goes one game where he doesn't score and it's like ah you're out you're out get get Abraham back in get Werner through the middle you know bring fucking Hudson Odoi back in like it's all he seems to be the fall guy all the time and I just don't get it because like no I get he's paid a lot of money for Werner, but also there's also like a a duty of care to the player to say, well, you know, I know your confidence is low, so we you know maybe we'll take out the team for a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's been a load of games over Christmas where we could have rotated the squad, and no one would have batted an eyelid because there's been about 100 games in about 12 days. Like it's mm. <laughs> it's been wild, hasn't it? But um, he's just kept putting him in it and not scoring. So. Yeah, I mean that 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 first half performance, especially yesterday. If any other manager that I've had over the last ten years had had uh, been in charge of the, a team that put in a performance like that on the back of the run they've been on, he'd have been gone the next day. The way Chelsea operate, the, the own the, he he's got he got the job because of his status as the club as a player, and it seems like. He's keeping it, and but I don't know how much longer they can do that because, you know, as you said, how tight is this season? You, on paper, you look at the squad they've got and they should be finishing in the top four comfortably. But with, with the way things have gone this season, with the way the league is, the longer he stays in that job, the I think they're in danger of missing out on Champions League football, which that would obviously put the final nail in his coffin. But I don't know. Do, do you think he'll be given that long for that? to be a possibility or do you think they'll bite the bullet I think if he's going to go he'll go this month otherwise I think they'd be, they may as well just see it through at the end of the season because unless they've got a you know someone lined up exactly someone incredible lined up who can come in and do a job for them for for what will probably be about 10 15 games and I don't see the point but you know if this actor and brought in as we talked in the WhatsApp group earlier about you know, Zola or Poyet or Dimiteo or what yeah. seems to be like, who played for us in the 90s and was coaching badges? Let's get them in. It just doesn't yeah. work, does it? Like, it works short, it might work short term. Like, Dimiteo win the Champions League is the worst thing that's ever happened. Like, that should never yeah. have been allowed to happen. Um, <laughs> I think if they do sack him, um, I wonder if they will look at Brendan Rodgers at Leicester because obviously Rodgers yeah. came, came through with Chelsea, didn't he? He did a lot of his early yeah. coaching there, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think you just have to look at what he's done for Leicester. I know you don't like him, Ali, but I think Leicester are... That, that would be the type of job that... Yeah. I don't think there'd be many jobs in the Premier League that he would probably le- that he would leave Leicester for because oh, of how well Leicester are doing, but Chelsea's definitely the type of job that, that he would jump ship for. Yeah, well, I mean, out of the current Premier League managers, you'd say him or, or Hasenhutl would be the two. Um, I think Hasenhutl probably has a bit more to prove. Um, I think he's in terms a bit of, of voice, uh, I think it's more of a gamble, but I think he's got a higher ceiling. Yes. Uh, I yeah. think I think we're all kind of blown away by what he's done with Southampton, but it's also you have to remember that a year ago they lost nine nil, so I think he needs a little bit longer to kind of prove this is not a flash in the pan, not a run of form. Um, and then he'll probably get linked to some of the bigger jobs, but um, you wouldn't be surprised if he went to maybe Spurs in a few years when Mourinho inevitably falls out with the entire squad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, again, who knows what will happen. Like, Southampton could be Champions League club in a couple of years' time, the way they're going. Like, the 
they've got all the, the infrastructure they have not they? So. Well, Dave, you've done it again. Segway champion of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Ralph and Southampton, um, we'll just quickly cover this one. Nice 30-second blast. Uh, <laughs> Hampton 1, Liverpool 0, Danny Ings in 1 minute 46 seconds or something. Um, Trent mistake. Loved the goalie. Brilliant goal. That was great. So, anyway... <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, Simon? Um, to be fair, you, you've kind of summed it up there, really, haven't you? That was I mean, the team, to be it, fair. It was a brilliant, brilliant finish from Danny Ings, but, I mean, I think that's something that we've just kind of all come to expect. He, he is a, a fantastic footballer, um, and it's, it's just great that over the last sort of 18 months or so, he has managed to stay relatively fit because I, I, I enjoy watching him play. I think he's... He's one of the most natural finishers uh, in the Premier League. And then the rest of the game, kind of not an awful lot really happens, to be honest. Like Southampton defended well, but looked pretty comfortable doing it. Like Liverpool didn't, I think they only had was it one shot on target, I think, yep. they had in, in the 90 minutes. Um, yeah, the kind of funny little spell really for Liverpool, obviously, because they you know, a few weeks ago, they obviously battered Palace 7-0 and you, you're thinking, you know, it's all you know, all looking like happy days but, you know, they've obviously over the Christmas periods you know, only picked up a point each against West Brom and Newcastle games, you'd expect them to to have got the six points which then put more pressure on tonight's game against a, you know, a very good team as, as we've all kind of said, so um, yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see what Liverpool do this month because you'd expect that they're going to have to do a bit of business you think really because you can't be uh, if they're going into that United game in a few weeks with Jordan Henderson and Fabinho as a centre-back partnership I, I, I think it might not be pretty viewing for you Yeah um, as, I, as I mentioned to you guys like pre-pod obviously we, we finished the game with 95 year old James Milner playing right back um, Jordan Henderson, who can barely play centre midfield, um, playing centre half, um, arguably our best centre midfielder. At the other centre half position is Fabinho, and Robertson at left back, our only basically defender. Um, abysmally, so yeah, Southampton didn't have to defend really, um, and it's not taking any credit away from them. We were just very toothless. But Southampton done their job very well. Foster came in and did a really good job. Um, but again, didn't have to do anything. He just cleared these lines. Um, I well. the two, the two centre halves were, were good for Southampton. They got themselves in the in in good positions to to block off a lot of you know what you were trying to do. But as you say, the, then you didn't really make anything clear cut, did you? Really? No, it's like they didn't. Uh, I think the stats come out. Uh, Liverpool crossed the ball 38 times in the game. Um, our tallest player. Is maybe six foot, <laughs> very much. I don't know who we're crossing it to. Um, our players are never in the box, so again, don't know who we're crossing it to. Um, at one point, Robertson actually got through on goal, slightly wide, but rather than just smashing it like high at the near post, you know, just chancing your mitt, he tried to cut it across goal, and it <laughs> kind of summed up like the game almost. Um, and then, as I say, like the biggest bit. For me, is now that I've seen the stats of 38 crosses, we get a corner in the 95th minute, <laughs> and, and then he plays it short. 
<laughs> like, just, just fuck off. Uh, <laughs> um, any thoughts in the game for yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's fairly, it was similar to when you played up at Newcastle just after Christmas, but I mean, that night you probably should have won. It was just great defending kept you out. It wasn't too dissimilar here, except you didn't really get the, the clear chances that you did against us. But uh, I say the two centre-backs were, were very good. Um, I thought they, they blocked off a lot of even the opens you had. But I don't know, it's, it's odd, isn't it? Because you had, I know you've obviously got problems at the back, but you had your first choice front three then there. You had Thiago playing, you had you know, Wijnaldum, uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain, probably not fit, but you know, he's a good attacking player normally. Um, I actually thought you're missing Fabinho in midfield a little bit yes. in these away games. Um, I know he's been excellent at centre-back, but in terms of you know sustaining attacks and giving you that different option out there, I think he has been missed in the middle of the park. Um, you desperately do need another centre-back, don't you? Because... Yeah. It's not sustainable to have those two in there. I'm very interested to see what team you play against Villa in the Cup on Friday because Klopp gives no fucks for the FA Cup. Yeah, well, um, I think it'll be might be a decent night for Villa, to be honest. Um, Again, but against Liverpool. Well, <laughs> I guess the other side of that is, as you've said, Sai, Villa haven't been able to rotate their team because that, yeah. you've got 11 good players and that's about it. Um, <laughs> so he might take the opportunity to rest some of them as well, but who knows? Um, I don't think either team will care too much about the Cup because there's no. bigger things on offer, I would suggest. Um, but yeah, Ali, I mean, it's, it's, I'd be tearing my hair out to an extent if I was Liverpool because you're doing nothing differently to what you've been doing before. It's just teams have cottoned on that if you defend on your own goal line, it's quite hard to, hard, hard to score. Um if you do what Palace do and even try and attack even once, you leave any space in behind, you get murdered. Um, teams have just stopped doing that. Unfortunately, Southampton did attack. Um, and we yeah, but only once. And yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully, hopefully, the way the national lockdown comes and the way Man City players have been flaunting COVID rules, I would like the Prime Minister to null and void the season. <laughs> um, start again next season after the after the Euros. Give all the players a nice break. And fans have been stressed enough this year. Um, I think we should just stop football and have a nice break um, and see where it goes from there. Um, on a more entertaining topic, um, I thought we'd have a, a just a, a quick discussion on just our freeze teams. I'm not caring about the other 17 teams in the league. Um, I'm going to give you a, a realistic transfer and a, and a not a dream transfer, but like one that you expect to come in any years if you expect anyone or a player that you need who you think would be available. Uh, Dave, I'll come to you first because obviously you're the one who's least likely probably to sign anyone yeah. <laughs> given your owner's record. Yeah, um, well, I mean, again, the boring answer here is that we can't buy anybody till we till we flog somebody because we've used all our squad spaces. So right, all right. Okay. What, what what we desperately need is a centre mid who can who can <coughs> who can pass and run, um, which we don't have. We have one or the other, um, but uh, they don't come cheap. So I think if anybody, we might go back in for Jetro Willems, who we had on loan last season. He was a he's a left wing back, but he was. He was he was fucking good to be fair. Like he was he was far better than Danny Rose was, and he was better options than what we've got. And he's contract running out, which is again right up our street. So if anyone, I think we might get him. So any players likely to to be sold in January? If you're 
squads will? Who would want our players? Um, <laughs> I think there's a few of them would quite like would quite like to go, but uh, I mean, there's some fringe players who might go, like Atu, who's not let's say he's not registered, so he can go. Rolando Aaron's already trained with Huddersfield, so he'll be gone soon. But um, I don't think we'll cash in on anybody. We've got a funny sort of squad in that we've got players like. Cher, who was probably quite coveted, but since Rafa left, he looked half the player. Um, obviously, did all right the other weekend against yourselves, but we haven't really got a lot of sellable assets. Like Yedlin's contract running out, he's been linked away, but again, having not played for four months, all of a sudden he's our first choice right back again. So none of it makes any sense. Like Booster seemed to pick his team up a hat, and that's it. So um, we're, we're, we're stocked with average to poor players who I don't know who who would actually want them um, in the current market, so we're a bit stuck. Um, unless he, you know, sells Dwight Gale or something like that. But again, Gale's not the worst option to have. Um, yeah. I'd love it. I'd love him to sell Joel Linton, but again, he no, costs forty. He costs forty million. We're not going anywhere near that back, so yeah. can't see that happen. Um, so aye, we're we're a bit of a we're a bit stuck. I I can't see us doing anything particularly. Yeah, it sounds great, but I have got to cheek to more about Liverpool situation. <laughs> uh, Simon, so a player that you would like, if you could, if you could get player, any players that are likely to come in for yourself? Um, I kind of, we're in a sort of fortunate position in that we're not majorly desperate for people to come in. Um, but, you know, obviously it's, it's can be difficult to get people in January. I, ideally, I, I think we could do with another striker, um, purely because like Watkins is basically the only striker we've got available. He's played every, <coughs> I think he's played every minute uh, this season. Um, the only backup we've got is Keenan Davis, who is very rarely fit, and when he is, he's He's a decent player outside the box. Like his hold at play is very good, but he can't score, which isn't ideal for a striker. Um, I know Wesley. I think he's back. He's he's been out for over a year now. It was New Year's Day last uh, last year when he got assaulted by Ben Mee and hasn't played since. Um, but he's back in training. But even then, he's with a year out. It's going to be a while for him to get fit. So. And the biggest thing we could do is, is we, we do need a, a decent striking option because if something did happen to Watkins, we could be a bit stuck. We were linked with uh, Josh King from Bournemouth mm. in, in the summer. Um, I mean, he, I think he's got six months left to run on his deal, so they might cash in on him. So, I don't know, 10 to 15 million for a squad player might be... Decent. I mean, he's he's not he's not going to set the world alight, but he's he's probably good for know, maybe what seven to ten goals a season. Which for where we are, as backup striker, he can play out wide as well. Yeah, I like Josh be, King. Yeah, I, I do as well. That's his hand. He's he's never going to be you know a, a world beater, but in in a team in a team that can defend, which is what we can do and Bournemouth couldn't do, but in a team that can create as well. He's he's good for a few goals. Uh, I I take him in as as certainly as another option for us, definitely. Yeah, me me and my friend were talking about that yesterday. I think it was, and we said he'd be a good signer for Newcastle in the summer, um, just reunited with, with Wilson and Fraser, obviously. 
Um, and obviously being three in the summer, it's that that perfect price for for Mike Ashley as well. Um, oh, not, nothing is our favourite number, that's for certain. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I just think it, obviously him and Wilson had that really good partnership. Obviously not the season they were relegated. That was there was a lot of injuries. I think that yeah. season. The year before they were very good together with Fraser on the wing as well. Um, there, there, there's also been some paper talk about us possibly making uh, Barclays move permanent, which that, in, prin- that, in principle I wouldn't be against, but I wouldn't want to do it until he's played 15, 20 games in a row without injury. Because, I mean, he since when he came to us, he started off playing really well, but then he, he got injured, I think it was maybe beginning, middle of November. And we were told at the time that he'd be out for two or three weeks and we haven't seen him since. I think he is back for the Tottenham game next week. But he, for me, he needs to prove that, that he's got the durability to, to play a full season before we spent the money that they'd be asking. But I wouldn't be against it in principle, but I'd, I'd like to see proof that he has, he's got a bit of durability, a bit of durability about him. Yeah, I think he's a mass. He'd be a massive signer for yourselves, or somebody very similar in ilk of that. Yeah. You know that creativeness, because I I do think he he brings on, and he just amplifies like McGinn's game, uh, Grealish's game. Um, I just think he's that perfect link. Oh, definitely. Uh, in between when he's on form, as I say, he was, he was a player I always quite liked. Um, uh, as far as Liverpool go, I think. The position's very, very, very obvious. Um, we need arguably two centre backs. Um, we're linked to Sven Botman, if any of you have heard of him, because I hadn't until um, Twitter started speaking about him. Um, and I can't remember the other guy's name, Camel something, Gamel something. Um, and then obviously the Alaba link won't go away either, um, which. Probably interests me more because he's that he's not just a one position, you know. He, he can mm. cover quite a few. Um, but for me, if I could, I really want to sign a striker. Um, if I had the choice, but I don't know who because obviously we need a certain kind of striker. We can't sign a number nine as such. Just doesn't doesn't fit. Um, but I do think we just need an option. Whether Jota can be that option long term, um, but I would still prefer like Jota, Manny, and and Salah kind of rotating those two slots, and then having a and having a forward um, in there. Um, last question for you guys: then. Do we think there'll be many signings um, this window? Obviously, this January more than any other January. It's just the way the seasons have been and the way football is. And obviously, the Euros in the summer. Do we see many players want to take the risk of taking that jump? I can't, to be honest. Um, I don't know. It's just because of the way the world is at the minute. But I haven't exactly seen transfer talk running wild. I mean, January's always a bit hit and miss. But I think it's kind of... Endemic to the way the world's going at the minute is that people don't know where the, where the money's going to be in six months' time or anything like that. So, if I was a player abroad, would I want to go into the UK right now with with the way things are? No, you know, I, not. I, I, was, <laughs> I was just I was just going to bring that up. Like we've we've obviously going into like a national lockdown now. 
does does that have any effects on being able to bring people in from abroad? I, I don't, I don't no, understand. The, how it works, the borders shut. They've not shut the flights down or anything. Again, which makes the whole thing ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but and obviously footballers are still essential work yeah. workers. <laughs> so it's travelling for work. So it's still essential travel. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's more Brexit that seems to be the issue. Um, I think other than the clubs that are desperate, I don't think I think people will be keeping their powder dry for for when yeah. things get a bit better. Um, unless there's a great deal comes up, like I know Deli Ali was meant to be the one who was you know this international player who was available for potentially a loan or even a transfer, but I think they've said today they want to keep him for to fight for his place. So, but um, you wouldn't be surprised though if says if the month goes on and he's just looks like he's not getting any sort of look in people like him who with, with the Euros coming up in mind might be thinking I need to be playing some football t- to make that tournament. So not necessarily just Deli Alli, but you know, the plenty of other players who he might be in that position where they think major tournament in theory going ahead this summer, I could do with a run of games going into that. Yeah. Just whether how, how much power he's got. Because Mourinho is the type of guy who I think if he, if he go against him and say, oh, I know he wants to say, well, I want to be off, that you done there. I don't think he'll be going back there any time. So yeah. I think uh, it's a tough one. But it's mad to think, isn't it? Like a couple of years ago, we thought Deli Ali was, was going to be in England's team for years to come. And now here he is. And I guess he probably wouldn't, wouldn't be in many people's even squad <laughs> if you had, yeah. to, had to pick 23. What's happened there? Because as well, you say, he, he was outstanding like mm-hmm. two three years ago that you don't lose that ability overnight so it's, i don't think that i think the ability is still there but what's ruined them for me like i i was a massive proponent of for liverpool having them um i just thought he was perfect but i watched that this Spurs documentary on amazon mm. and um like he doesn't come across well in that documentary at all. Just, yeah, I don't think he did. Bad attitude, very lazy. Like not lazy as such, but you know, just carrying on. Doesn't seem to follow instruction quite well. And the top managers, unfortunately, they just won't stand for that at all. Um, and regardless of what people's personal opinions on Jose Mourinho is, he's you know he's in the elite bunch of managers um, where it's all about you know respect, hard work. Um, I mean, you can still have a laugh and carry on. I'm pretty sure a lot of those Chelsea boys, you know, would have a carry on. But you're not telling me, like, with players like Terry and, and Lampard, you know, leading the, the training sessions, that it wasn't like work first, carry on after. Yeah. And, and I just wonder if they got away with quite a lot under Pochettino. And it was oh, just I think, I think almost that's definitely the case. I think Pochettino was like a boys will be boys, arm around the shoulder, you know. Yeah. You'll you'll get there, you'll play well on the weekend as long as you you know good team spirit and all that kind of stuff. I think it yeah. only, takes, only takes you so far and then when a real kind of winner's come in and said, Well, you know, maybe you should give a hundred percent in training, hundred percent in the match and players either stood up and done it or they've been Deli Alley'd and Danny Rose and <laughs> you know, they're, yeah. They're nowhere near the team now, so I guess that's just not not gel with the manager. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a shame. Hopefully, he can get some minutes and become, because I, I I assume he is the type of player that needs a bit more creative freedom as well, not so much like setting away. But there needs to be a balance where the player himself has to think, well, wait a minute here, I can't just yeah. do that. you know what I mean. 
England especially have had a lot of players like that in the past um, that probably got away with a lot more than they should have done, but still had that level of respect, you know, to mm. a point. Um, I mean, Delhi Ali almost like acts like Gascoigne probably would have, you know, in the, the early nineties. A bit difference in caliber of player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, I think that pretty much covers the the league roundup. Um, anything to to add from any of you guys? Uh, not for uh, me. No, no, we've got a all good. I guess we'll have a break for the FA Cup this weekend. Or are we doing the FA Cup? We'll probably talk about this offline, but you know, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Simon, uh, pimp your socials and um, let them know where to find you. Yeah, so on Twitter at Sayo Regan. And Dave, any of your Chapman podcasts coming out? Um, I haven't even thought about the podcast, to be honest, but we've got. Um, we're starting another lockdown challenge uh, this week, obviously with the restrictions coming in, we'll give some people something to do if they want to crack on with that. So keep an eye on Twitter, which is at CM9798 uh, and the website is cm9798.co.uk. And is your football manager blog started as well? Yeah, so I'm doing it. I'm doing a football manager 21, but I'm doing it like real time. So I'll play for like a day and then I'll write down what happened and then I'll publish it a couple, of day, uh, a couple of days at a time so that means I'm not overwhelmed by the sheer enormity of activity that you have to do these days so um, it's, it's 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 different but it's, uh, it's I'm, at Cor- I'm at Cork City and it's um, I've, I, I have low expectations of myself but they want me to get promoted so we'll see how that goes <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Yeah that's going to be it's going to be fun to watch so any football manager fans out there uh, which I'm sure if you're still listening to us after all this you must be because like Dave and Ross and, and even Ryan when he can be bothered um, beat out a hell of a lot on the football, what is it F, FM, 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 o- o- FM underscore DP yeah. right yeah give, give that a follow that's um, you get some really good threads from obviously Dave will now uh, Ross Ryan and Tom I believe um, I've retired my football manager tracksuit for this season so I'll leave it to those guys um, follow the normal Man in the Post at uh, Man in the Post on all your social media platforms 5 star rating and review and all that good stuff on Apple please that'd be lovely um, Chris released the quiz show which was Carnage um, <laughs> midweek um, Chris and the gang I assume will be back Wednesday Thursday-ish with the Midweek show, um, and yeah, we're FA Cup game this weekend. We're not quite sure if we'll be back, but if not, we will be back following the next league fixtures um, at the very latest. Um, so thanks again for joining me, chaps. Thank you. Thanks, Ali. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening, and always remember to keep your man in the post.